This is the Square Peg Podcast, starring Andrew Lawrence and a cast of mold breakers, trailblazers, and takers of roads less traveled. And now, here's your host, Andrew Lawrence. Not all of us look the way the world expects us to look, think as the world expects us to think, or arrive at our destination the way the world expects us to. On the Square Peg Podcast, we give a voice to mold breakers, trailblazers, and takers of roads less traveled. I'm your host, Andrew Lawrence, and here are their stories. Thank you to the Searchlight Needles for getting us started, as always. The Needles aren't just a quartet of middle-aged, overweight, and balding El Pasoans. Robert Martinez, Josh Smith, Adrian Ortiz, and David Sions are four really fantastic guys who hold down jobs and take care of families during the week, and they rock out on weekends. You can find them on the web at www.searchlightneedles.com, on Facebook, and you can download their album on all streaming services. My guest today is a native of Tularosa, New Mexico, (laughs) an Air Force brat, an Aggie, mom, wife, on-air personality, program director, operations manager, web designer, (laughs) podcast producer, and pretty much doer of everything at Bravo Mike Communications, Lindsay Callison, welcome to the show. Welcome. Welcome. It feels weird being on this end of it. Well, you get used to it because you're going to be there for the next 45 minutes or so. <laughs> did I cover everything? I feel like you did, and then some. I forgot about some of that stuff in there. My goodness. So now, I know you're a native of Thule. Uh, were you born there? No, I'm an Air Force brat completely. So I was actually born in Salt Lake City, Utah, and then Japan, and then Vegas, and then back here in New Mexico, 1994, and I've never gotten out since. And so how old were you when you guys moved here? I think I was 10. I came here with the F-117 Stealth Program. Well, that's, you know, good company, right? It was. It was great company. It was a great learning experience. And uh, so I guess it's pretty safe to say. I mean, I could still call you a native of, of Tularosa. That's pretty much what you claim, right? I do. I do. I, I went to school in Tularosa for a long time when I was younger. And then um, still in my heart, my first job was in Tularosa. I was just going to bring that up because we talked <laughs> I about kind of that. Figured that's where you're going. With all, it. all these years, these twenty plus years I've lived in Las Cruces. Every time I go to Rio Doso, we drive by the Thule Freeze, and I always say, "Hey, I want to go there sometime." And luckily enough, uh, over this summer, we were on our way back from Rio Doso, and, and I stopped there. We got sodas, and and the lady told me that they were closing in no less than you know like ten days, which makes me sad because I mean I think I've worked there twenty years ago now, and and you told me that it actually really was a tasty freeze until. It was. When I first worked there, I think I was 15, 16 years old. I lived about a mile away from it, and I used to walk to work and back home. And uh, it was originally a Tasty Freeze. It moved over to the Thule Freeze. It was owned by this little family that lived in Tularosa. And I used to sling milkshakes for a living. Slinging milkshakes, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) You went to high school at Alamogordo? Um, kind of both. I went to school in Tularosa and I started in Tularosa High School. I, I didn't, do they still have a high school there? They do. They have a full on education program over in Tularosa. And so I went my freshman and sophomore year, but I was a little bit wild in high school. No. And, um, I decided to run around a little bit. I went over to Alamogordo High School for a little bit. And then I actually finished high school at Academy del Sol Alternative School in Alamogordo. Do we want to know how you, how or why you ended up in an alternative school? I think if you know anybody from Alamogordo, you probably figure it out pretty fast. But uh, Not safe for podcasting? I, I, as I look back on it in my mid-30s now, I realize it was because I was bored. <laughs> well, you know what? Believe it or not, you're not the only one who went to an alternative high school. I actually started high school at an alternative high school, uh, only because my parents pushed and pushed and pushed, even though 
they were repeatedly told I did not qualify for the services. Um, and it was obvious when I first started there that I didn't belong. So that we've, we've learned something about each other that, that we didn't know before. Right. But you ended up uh, going to NMSU. Was this traditional path, like right after high school? I did. I went right after high school. I actually graduated with honors, even though it was an alternative school. I kind of fast-tracked my senior year of high school, ended up graduating with straight A's. And I went to New Mexico State University. When I first started, it was for the anthropology program. But like we've already covered, I couldn't really make up my mind. And I ran around a little wild. And somehow I ended up journalism and mass communications. Now, did you grow up as a, I mean, I know we all listen to the radio and watch television, but were you one of those people who's a real consumer of it? Like, I mean, you're really into it and. No, um, not at all. Actually, if you had asked me when I was younger, what I was going to be when I grew up, radio and TV would have never even crossed my mind. Um, when I was 21 years old, I was doing musical theater and we did Little Shop of Horrors and I played Audrey where we did the I'm Savvy Doctor. And they asked me to go in and read a radio commercial in the Audrey voice. And that is how I tripped into radio. Well, I'm not familiar about Little Shop of Horrors. I mean, I've heard <gasps> of it. I don't know who Audrey is. But I'm now starting to to understand where uh, Lorraine comes from. Yes, I see. Let's, <laughs> yes. Now explain for our <laughs> listeners who Lorraine is. So back in my rock and roll days, I used to do a morning show where uh, Jack Lutz and I would have characters called Tony and Lorraine. And Lorraine would always make sure that Tony was on his stuff and Tony was always getting in trouble. And it is very much my Audrey from Little Shop of Horrors voice. The more you know, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> when did you start at NMSU? Uh, 2003, 2003-ish. Okay. I know I'm older than you thought, huh? I thought you were going to say I'm older than you. We both know that's not the case. But no, I'm just trying to get a little perspective here. So you end up studying uh, mass communications uh, journalism. I had a weird college experience because I started with journalism and mass communications before Google became a thing. So anything that we wrote as papers in college are now what you find on Wikipedia. And that's a weird transition to see that, that that changeover from back when we actually had to go to the library to do research versus just Googling it to do research. So I had a weird transition from the old school radio journalism mentality into the new millennium of the internet and digital age. So I had a weird transition in school and I was actually part of our, when our journalism program became defunct at New Mexico State University. Is there no longer a journalism there program? There is a program and it is recertified, but there was a good couple of year period where it was not a certified journalism program. Did you have anything to do with that, Lindsay? <laughs> I really hope not. <laughs> we can't blame you for that. <laughs> but so, I did trip into my job here at Bravo Mike Communications while I was doing that. Were you ever involved in, in the campus radio station over there? Never. Well, how did you get involved with Bravo Mike? Um, I started radio in Alamogordo doing musical theater, going back and forth to make the main campus here in Las Cruces. I commuted back and forth for a while. And in 2006, 2005, they launched a badass rock station on 99.5 FM, and I sent them my resume, and they were dumb enough to hire me. And you said what year was that? That had it been two thousand six, two thousand five, or two thousand six. I'm, you know, I'm, and I'm. I think you understand this. Everything is starting to become a blur. Last ten or fifteen years, when you when you mention something happened in two thousand six, I'm like, was it really that long ago? <laughs> I can remember first hearing the rocket and just assuming, without even really thinking about it, assuming that it was a campus radio station, because in all honesty, it was so kick ass and so different and more more kick-ass and more rock and roll than really anybody else was doing. 
uh, in commercial rock radio. And I know this, uh, being a native of the Washington, D.C. area, uh, listening to the DC 101 or WWDC in, in Washington, D.C. was the rock station. Um, 99.1 WHFS out of Baltimore was kind of like the alternative. Uh, but by the late 90s when I moved out here, HFS had kind of surpassed uh, DC 101 as kind of like the hard-driving rock and roll. But at the same time, you didn't hear Pantera. You didn't hear Megadeth. You didn't hear Sepultura. I mean, you heard what had become the more radio-friendly Metallica, uh, Metallica mm-hmm. but you didn't get a lot of that deep stuff. And 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 the other rock station from a nearby city that's in the same market uh, sucks. I'm going to say <laughs> they play what the market do, you know demands that they play. Yeah. But when I heard the rocket and I heard and I would hear Damage Incorporated by Metallica, which was never if they did release singles at the time wouldn't have been a single because it was the final track on the album. Or when I would hear Jack play. Uh, on the morning show, he would play, like I said, he'd play Pantera, he'd play Sepultura, he'd play all these other metal bands that I never expected in my life to hear. I just assumed it was a, a campus radio station. Which is a good assumption because we were very independent. We were do what you want and play what you want back then. So, Well, who 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 came up with the, that format? That format was kind of a mixture. Now, it started as an original top 40 modern rock format format. That is exactly how it was launched. And that was before I was hired. I think it was Casey Counts and um, our old ownership here at Bravo Mike Communications who had originally launched. And what's funny is they did like six months of Barry Manilow on air before they launched a rock station and they called it the rocket. One of the, um, one of the back histories of the station that's actually really cool that still sticks around is it was called the rocket 99.5 KXPZ. This is also the same time that they were doing the X prize here in New Mexico. And that's where the KXPZ originally came from was it was supposed to go in line with the X prize at the time. And for people who are not from Southern New Mexico or didn't live here at the time, uh, if I remember correctly, the X prize had to do with uh, awarding a contract for somebody who was able to launch into outer space, basically, basically. commercial uh, aircraft from what is now called the Southern New Mexico Spaceport. Interestingly enough, um, I thought it was a joke for the longest time. Uh, back in 2003, when I started at my current employer, I used to work up in Hatch every Friday night. And I would drive and I'd go past, you know, that exit there at the 53 yeah. mile marker. And it would say future site of New Mexico spaceport. I just thought it was some kind of like Roswellian like <laughs> joke because we're, we're in New Mexico and, and we're not, you know, too terribly far from Roswell where the aliens landed and, you know, 60, 70 years ago. And I thought it was something like that. And, and then it became, it was like a real thing. And here we are like 10 years later, a billion dollars in investments later. <laughs> and, and for a lo- the longest time, and if I bet you I haven't paid attention, all they did was cover up the future with a little rocket, and they it just did. says, site of New Mexico Spaceport. That is very true, actually. I've seen that picture, too, and it cracks me up. Now, were you still in college at this time, 2006? Um, yeah, and I never actually graduated with New Mexico State University. You never graduated. Um, you were on, if I remember correctly, you were on Afternoons, Afternoon I, Drive. Yeah, I was the first DJ that was launched on KXPZ. Um, I was by myself, so it was just me in the afternoons from 2 to 7, and they they didn't of, broadcast 24 hours? They We did, but we didn't have DJs except for that one section when I would go live from 2 to 7. Other were there commercials? That, there were commercials. So it was just song, liner song, commercial song. Wow, I didn't know this. Yeah, and it was a completely unmanned station when I was officially brought on board to take it over. And I took over that afternoon set. It went well. 
and we launched a whole bunch of other personalities on the station at the same time. Well, I remember uh, listening to Jack in the mornings on the rocket. I remember listening to, I believe it was uh, Rick Mardi Gras midday. Yeah. Uh, and then you were on in the afternoons. And I, I mean, I distinctly remember you being on the afternoons. And then at some point you joined Jack in the mornings. What year was that? Oh, 2008. Was it 2008? Because I remember by that time, I think I had, uh, I had, uh, connected with Jack on Facebook and I remember telling him or messaging him or something being like, you know, ever since you brought that Lindsay onto the morning show, you guys talk too much, man. There's too much talking and not enough music, but you know, things worked out to be, to be what they were. And you and Jack ended up being a pretty formidable, uh, team. I mean, obviously you moved on to, to other things, but you did a couple of New Mexico Broadcasters Association awards for that we show. We did actually with uh, Real Country or Real. It was what Mornings Are Hard with Jack and Lynn's was the official name of the show. At one New Mexico Broadcast Association Large Market Morning Show of the Year, we actually won Station of the Year with KXPZ, and right after that, they flipped my format. Well, <laughs> I, I do. I remember that quite well, uh, and I remember um, you telling me about that in a message. Uh, before it went public and I know you were beside yourself it was hard um, I have been in radio by that point I had been in radio for probably about five or six years but I've always worked in the Las Cruces New Mexico market I've not gone from New York to LA or any of that I never had to deal with the turnover that happened with radio before and I never realized how fast and how awful it could be to flip a format from one format to another. And that's what we learned. And I took it harder than I would a divorce. Well, you know, I, um, I, I guess I just always assume, and you, I guess you do that when you listen to the, uh, anybody who is, is worth you know, their pay in radio acts as if they're the biggest fan in the world of whatever their format is. I guess I just always assume you were a rocker chick. Like, were you, were you always a metal? I mean... I was, and I, I was totally a rocker kid growing up, rocker. I was a rebel about it. So when it came to playing the Pantera and the Sepultura and all of these different bands that we were allowed to get away with, that was totally up my alley. And when they flipped my format, they flipped it to a format that... And and this is something I don't talk about a lot. They flipped it to a format that I was very against. You didn't take, I mean, growing up or at least spending a, the second half of your time as a minor, if you will, uh, in southern New Mexico, you never took to country music? I, I didn't. I hung out with a lot of people who liked country music. My My dad loved country music. It was something I grew up with, but it wasn't something that I claimed. It wasn't something that if you had asked me if I wanted to do country radio one day, that I would be doing. I would I would have never jumped on board with that idea. Well, did the thought ever cross your mind to, to jump ship, to go do something else, go work at another radio station, head down the road and try Multiple to get on? Multiple times. <laughs> well, but with regard to the, the change in format from rock to country. I, um, yeah, for about 10 minutes, I had a moment of, I'm going to freaking quit and go find another job because, I mean, I loved my rock station. We had an amazing rock station. Beyond amazing. That, there, there could never be a better rock station than the but Rocket. But the other part of that was I also was given the opportunity to manage the station, which is something I had never done before. And in a career move-wise, I like a challenge, and that's what it felt like. So that's what I took on. After I got over the angst and the crying and the angry part of it, I really took on the challenge of a new format. 
Well, what what is managing a station? What, what what does that entail? Well, a lot of people when you when you get into radio, you think it's just playing a song, pressing a button, talking into a microphone, but it's really not. There's computer programming that goes on behind it. There's music selection. There is a lot of different aspects that go into managing a radio station, from keeping it on air, equipment wise, to making sure that it's doing the things that you've expected, and managing the people that are on the station as well. And it's a big bag. It's a, it's a lot of hats to wear, but it's it's challenging, and I am really good at taking something I hate and finding something I love about it. Well, I don't think anybody, I certainly, if I didn't know you, uh, and, and certainly people who don't know you, would never guess that you were not into country radio because, you I mean, you took it in stride and you made it work, and, you know, we're going to get into in this, in this next little while all the things that you have done uh, in, in, in this career and in this field but this the transition seemed pretty seamless. Well, good. I'm glad it seemed like it was angsty for about a year. Now, you at that time when when you switched from the rocket to country, I believe it was you and Hoser in the mornings. Mm-hmm. It was. And you guys continued you and Hoser in the mornings, and he moved to midday, correct? I think so. I remember we had a lot of shuffles because. Um, and and that's just normal in radio. There was shuffling of, oh, well, this isn't working as a morning show, so we're going to move this person here, and we're going to move this person here. And it, get to, it got based a lot on ratings. And so that's where a lot of decisions were made. And it was a big shuffle. I have a hard time keeping track of how many times we actually shuffled the station. Now, what would you call the the particular type of country format that you ran when you first made that transition? Uh, when we first launched KXPZ as a country station. Um, now to be known as Zia Country. It is now known as Zia Country. And it was originally launched as Zia Country. But we had a consultant that came in from Santa Barbara, California. And um, I'd love to give a shout out, but I'm not going to. They launched it as a top 40 modern country station. Um, Jason Aldean, Luke Bryan, Skinny Jeans. And, and at the time, there, there's another radio group in town, another country station. How was that comparable to what they were doing? It was exactly what they were doing, which, and, and that's where I, I kind of come in on a different range of, it was a copy over of the other station. Now, I'm not a business or a marketing expert, but I would, you know, given the size of this market, I mean, Las Cruces has 100,000 people, another 100,000 plus in the county. Uh, when you talk about the how far the, the signal reaches, uh, you're probably reaching maybe 250, 300,000 people. Is that really a big enough market for two country stations to have the exact same format? I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was when we first launched it. I really but it, it worked out eventually. Las Cruces and Southern New Mexico loves country music. They proved it within a year of doing the format flip. But if, you, you, if you're doing the same country format as somebody else in town... That's wh- why we didn't go to number one right away. Well, you know... There's so much to get into here. I'm going to take a little quick break. But as a surprise, because Lindsay also produces this podcast, <laughs> she's quite familiar with what we do, how we do it, and when we do it. Yes. So this is the segment where I usually ask somebody to think of somebody who's in the news for all the wrong reasons, uh, and that person would be our jabroni of the week. I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball uh, because there's, you know, this wouldn't be the Square Peg podcast if I didn't uh, throw a little surprise or curveball at my guest. So I'm just going to ask you, uh, yeah, there's going to be five rapid-fire questions. Yeah, is it going to be a choice A or choice B? Don't think too much about it. Are you ready? I think so. Red or green? Green. Corey Taylor or Adam Gontier? Corey Taylor. Team Pacey or Team Dawson? Ooh, Pacey. You Seriously? didn't expect that kind of enthusiasm, did you? <laughs> Rudoso or Cloudcroft? Rudoso. And finally, this is the good one, Nashville or Texas country? 
Texas. Five rapid fire questions brought to you by the Cardenas Law Firm. Finding an attorney to help you with your legal issues can be rough. How do you find an effective and honest attorney without sacrificing your financial health? The Cardenas Law Firm breaks the mold by offering exceptional service without breaking the bank. Find them online at www.cardenaslawfirmllc.com or by calling 575-650-6003. Don't call some jabroni lawyer at some jabroni law firm. Call the Cardenas Law Firm. And now, I see, I, that's something I can get with, which, you know, while, while we're at it, we might as well talk about uh, maybe a little bit out of order what I had in my head. The format that you switched the country to, um, when was that switch? What inspired it? And what are you playing? Um, so when we originally flipped in 2014 to a country station, again, it was a top 40, going to be basic, normal country station you hear all over the place. And I was sent to Nashville, Tennessee for the country radio seminar, which is held every year in Nashville. All of the radio stations from across the nation all come together and they learn more about what's happening in country. And the short version of that is I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I hated every seminar I sat in. I hated the new country artists that they were introducing us to. There were a few that were real country artists, and I really felt like that they weren't giving them the attention that they deserved. And by the end of the seminars, it was a three-day seminar, and the third day I just couldn't do it anymore. So I decided to go hang out at the Johnny Cash Museum. And I made a really good friend, the owner of the Johnny Cash Museum. And he and I decided to do a giveaway together to where we sent somebody to Nashville, decided to send them to the Johnny Cash Museum. And when I came back, um, we also had a change in ownership here at Bravo Mike Communications. And it became very locally owned by Mike and Shelly Smith, who still own it to this day. And Mike is a country fan. And when I came back from Nashville, I told him how much I hated the seminar. And he's like, well, why? Now, that's interesting, you know, and I learned something about you earlier, you, you know, when you originally made the switch to the country format in 2014, uh, it was it was not the seem, seemingly, you know, easy transition in the sense that, you, you know, you weren't a country fan. Yeah. I find it very interesting that it, it's pretty predictable for somebody who's been a country music fan for a long time to have the kind of reaction to what was going on in Nashville when you went for the, the, the conference with it, the pop country. You know, we won't name any particular artists, but there's that, you know, there's <laughs> that, there's the Nashville of, of the, of the 21st century country. And then there's real country, what, what some people say. And to see that you were so turned off by that, um, by the direction the country music is going, at least popular country music, pop music, um, is what some people call it. They would call it pop with a Southern twang. Um, it's interesting to see that that would be your reaction, given that you're not part of that, you, the predictable crowd of people who would have that that reaction. In any case, you come back and you convince uh, the owners that you're going to change the format within country. I did, and it was one of those things of I wanted real country music because if you're going to play country music, it's got to be real country. If you're going to play rock, it's got to be real rock. If you're going to play anything, it's got to be what you say it is, which pop country never really was. And so um, I think where it fell in that I had that reaction is because I am a music fan. In general, I am a huge fan of somebody with talent. If they can play a guitar, if they can play the drums, if they can sing, if they could do all of it, that I am always impressed and watching those kinds of things. We had local musicians here in Las Cruces that I had started becoming fans of early in our rock days that were country musicians. And I mean real country musicians here in Las Cruces that when we decided that the top 40 format was not going to work, um, my alternative was let's play Johnny, Willie, Waylon, and our local country musicians. Well, when you're talking about Johnny, Willie, Waylon, you know, the, the, the highwaymen, you know, all those guys, Chris Christopherson, 
you're going to get a certain uh, bit of mileage out of that because those are the classic guys. Mm -hmm. But when you decide to go with a more independent or con Texas country format, what you're giving up is the machine that is Nashville and you are. all of the money that's behind that. How does that affect a local radio station in southern New Mexico, or does it? It didn't. Um, our advertising is local. Our, our advertising drive is local. So if we're keeping our local businesses happy, that's where it falls in. And our local businesses are the ones who are bringing in these musicians. They're the ones who know about these musicians. And, I mean, we've had a good example of this from Frank Ray who was a local musician here in Las Cruces. I really believed in the talent that he had behind him. And he's gone on to become a songwriter in Nashville for Texas country, which is a weird mixture. But what, what I think a lot of people don't understand is Texas country really is starting to do a Nashville takeover these days. Okay, so the Texas country, when we talk about Texas country, we're talking about a sound. It is. Um, that's less popular, probably... It was so funny. I don't know when it was that they dropped the Western from the country and Western. <laughs> yeah. But it's kind of bringing back more of a Western sound, um, kind of like the somewhat of a Bakersfield sound, I think, developed in the 70s. Yeah. Now, do you feel like people in, I mean, this is cowboy country. We're This is rodeos and cowboys. And, you know, this isn't suburban Washington, D.C., where I'm from, where people listen to WMZQ <laughs> 98.7 and then go to a country bar and buy a pair of country boots. No, they I mean, see this, these bands come through. Th no, but this is real country. I mean, people ride horses here, and they're real cowboys who work on real ranches. Do you feel like southern New Mexico uh, prefers this type of country? They do, and, and honestly, I can say that with full confidence because they're the ones who have been calling us, telling me. I, I remember them telling me about Cody Jinks for the first time. I'd never heard of Cody Jinks, but... My God, the first time I actually pulled him up in a Google search after a listener called and requested him, put five songs in the library immediately. Well, he used to be a, a thrash metal musician. I know, and it's funny to find that out as you're moving forward. I think you posted Turnpike Troubadours the other day. I did. They played at the Southern New Mexico State Fair a couple of years ago. I, it's so funny because I used to work the fair every year, um, and I always signed up to work the rodeo and concert, and the concert, the pavilion's right by the rodeo arena. And it's so funny... I, I, as I was posting that video uh, and listening to that song, I'm like, Man, this is kind of band that I would love to see at the concert after the rodeo at the Southern New Mexico State Fair. Now, on the subject of these two bands, I also am a big consumer of music. I love music, all different kinds. And all you have to do is do one YouTube search or like one video that somebody posts on Facebook. And, of course, the Internet knows your whole life yep. after that. <laughs> so I discovered a couple years ago an, an artist I really liked um, named John Moreland. Who okay who actually used to be a thrash metal musician or punk rock musician, um, some, maybe, something in between, maybe hardcore punk. But he ended up uh, kind of switching over, uh, based out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, what he's described out on Wikipedia as, as country folk Americana. And so I started a John Moreland Pandora station. And as you know, I don't use Spotify, but I understand it's kind of the same concept. It is, the I algorithms. This, <laughs> I make this John Moreland station, and all of a sudden I'm hearing Turnpike Troubadours and Cody Jinks and Whiskey Myers. Cody Johnson. And Cody Johnson and uh, BJ Barham or Barham, however you... And yep. these are these amazing artists that um, are great for somebody like me who likes music that's not necessarily commercial. I listen to a lot of, a lot of blues, a lot of folk a lot of kind of singer songwriter folksy you know artists and this Texas country which thankfully is now starting to get noticed but kind of takes me on to something I I, I want to talk to you about 
one of the things, and you know, I've talked about this, you know, on a personal level. I really admire the way you, um, where you got your business sense. I don't know, <laughs> but you at some point realized that broadcast radio or over the airwaves radio is by the day losing market share when it comes to how people consume music. And not long after you switched formats from the Rocket to Country, you launched Rocket Online. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people are getting their music all these different ways. For somebody like me who really enjoys discovering new artists through things like Spotify and Pandora that you would never know otherwise, how does Zia Country, even though you've changed to a format that works here, that's kind of an emerging, you know, the Texas Country thing is emerging, how do you compete with a kind of a set playlist, if you will, how do you compete with Spotify and Pandora where people can pick one artist and say, I want to listen to a lot of other artists that sound just like or very similar to this guy? I think that's a good question because I think I ask myself that question a lot. Um, how do you compete with Spotify and Pandora? And as a radio person, first and foremost, I use Spotify and Pandora. They have figured out a good algorithm, but you're going to get a small set. So probably a good 45 minutes and then a song's going to repeat is what I've learned. That actually does follow an old math algorithm that radio used to use when they would program. So it's still an experimentation on both the digital end with Spotify, Apple Music, all of these different sources that you're using are using the original algorithms that people used to put on pencil and paper for radio stations in the 70s. So it is still the same thing. Um, And I think that's where it becomes a question of how do we compete because they are the same thing. Um, And on that end, I take the localization of it. I think it's important that Spotify and Pandora can play any musician I can play for you, but you're not going to get your local version of it. You're not going to find out that that person played here three years ago when that song ends like you would on a local radio station. And I think it was important to also take our local radio stations and move them into that online world that Pandora and Spotify exist in. And so that was going to kind of be my next question. Other than doing broadcast radio, what is Bravo Mike Communications offering online? That's been honestly my biggest project. We talk a lot about music and programming a radio station, but um, in just the last year, I've exploded my own brain learning how to do computer IT networking and website design, website administration, streaming our stations online 24-7 was one of my first major projects when I took over as our operations manager here, and it's been so successful. So basically a simulcast. It is a simulcast. So anything you hear on the air, you can also find on our website. There may be about a 10-second delay just given technology of the days, but it's the same exact thing. And anything that I have licensed to play on the radio, I am also able to license to play online, which is um, when it comes to legal parameters of how the FCC works, how artists are making their music, we're helping artists make double pay almost at the same time because they're not only getting our radio spins like they're used to all throughout history, but they're also getting those digital hits that they were expecting from Spotify. And we're able to do that on both ends now. Now, uh, with regards to music, is Bravo Mike Communications offering any kind of musical format other uh, other than when you're talking about uh, online streaming, 
Is there anything other than the simulcast, or is that at this point, is that it? At this point, that's it. What, uh, and I, I kind of see where you're going. Would you be able to pick your own playlist through the things that we Something do? Something like that, yeah. That becomes harder, and that's, the reason that's become harder is the interface of it, the licensing of it. So I'm not a programming genius. I can't give you my entire playlist and let you pick your own. But it is a reality of where your radio stations will go in the future. Well, I mean, it's it, something that uh, I find I've always admired about you, and I've, I've really come to come to find very, very impressive. Is that I don't know if you obviously didn't come up with the idea yourself, but we you know we talked about broadcast radio uh, becoming an ever smaller slice of the of the market. It's very difficult for a person to make a living in broadcast radio. Yet here you are. Um, of course, you're not just an on-air personality now, and I know you're moving away from that. Uh, you have developed a business sense. You now basically run five radio stations? Five radio stations. You run five radio stations. You do the web design. You do all of those things. Did, was it ever conscious to you that, hey, I've got to find new ways to, to make this, to save this medium and to save my career and so I have a way to you know, make, support my family and contribute I think that's exactly, I think it is a survival mechanism almost. I did, um, I think my first real foray into how radio really can work is when we had our format flip and that heartbreak with it. But it also makes you realize that you do have to have a career. And radio in itself has always been shrinking. It has been shrinking since CDs became a thing. And it's something that, and I... We're on a podcast, I can say it. The dinosaurs of the radio world, those who have originally been running radio stations since the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, had a hard time transitioning into the digital world. Um, and I think they needed millennials to come into the markets. You hear that, ladies and gentlemen? What she's basically <laughs> saying is F. Tom Chiasano. And for you old Howard Stern listeners, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, earlier this year, or maybe sometime last year, you launched uh, LasCrucesToday.com. Yeah. Uh, chat me up about how that idea came up, what what you're trying to do with it, what kind of, other than it being an online news source, uh, what are you trying to do with LasCrucesToday.com? I think that's still evolving. So the original idea of it, and this isn't my original idea, this is actually from our owner, Michael Smith, and his wife wanted to come up with a website that was LasCrucesToday.com. He knew he was going to own the domain. How, what, and what we were going to do with it was always a floating question around here. On top of that, we always had our different station websites. You had 101 Gold, you had Zia Country, Magic 1049, our news talk station, and also our Spanish station, all of which require their own maintenance. Why not make one website that does everything? And so that's kind of where that went. And when I took over as the operations manager in late 2019, before the pandemic, and I do want to say that this is before the pandemic, and I'll, I'll, I'll say why I'm stressing that right now, was Lens Launch a website that contains not only all of our radio stations, but all of the news that we also cover here as well, and then all of the community connections with public service announcements that we've also been doing on radio since the 70s. So you always hear a public service announcement. You hear commercials. You hear different events that are coming up. You hear all of these things on air. But why not have one online resource for it? And that's what we created Las Cruces Today to be. It's not only lascrucestoday.com, but it has all of our radio stations, any news article that comes through from public press releases and stuff like that. We make sure we have it all in one fail spot. It was insanely more successful than I thought it would be. And, and that's where the stress of we did this before the pandemic, <laughs> because 
something happened in March and April with 2020 and the pandemic and things that happened that skyrocketed news sources from local to national. And LasCrucesToday.com blew up in ways that we weren't anticipating for the first year of business modeling for it. And we have over 60,000 page views a month now. With that, we've kind of watched what our users are wanting to see, whether it's the local news, whether it's audio on demand, whether it's their shop local sections, or it's the radio stations. And what we found is they want all of that. And they're actively participating in all of that. So that's really kind of where it came from and how it rolled out. And it is, it's still a community project and it's in the works as we move forward with it. Well, and another thing that, um, and I know you and I, you and I have talked about, and I think that it's going to be growing here kind of going forward. I was within the last two weeks, I was at a, at a, at a public event or at a press conference actually. And uh, I saw Jack Nixon come in. Ah, uh, yeah. And and we talked a little bit. I he uh, I guess he was aware that we were doing the show here and recording the show, but he didn't know that it was me. And Jack and I know each other very casually. Um, we're talking about the voice of the Aggies, Jack Nixon, uh-huh. uh, who also uh, works for Bravo Mike Communications in the news department. But I saw Jack there, and I'm I'm assuming he was there reporting for LasCrucesToday.com. You're going to start having somebody dedicated to go out and field stories. That is the idea, but that's also where the pandemic kicked in. Um, advertising revenue tanked with the pandemic, and I will not lie about that, I, especially as a local media company. It got very scary. You may have seen national headlines where radio, nation, radio stations across the nation were laying off employees. Employees for newspapers have been furloughed on a regular basis. And that was where the pandemic kicked in with Las Cruces today. It became... Oh, one day we're going to get somebody who runs these news stories to, I guess we all better do this. And it really has become a team project with the DJs you hear on air. They are your background for LasCrucesToday.com as well. So, I mean, Ricky T and Jack and I mean, everybody, we've got two Jacks here. Mm -hmm. Everybody's kind of contributing their part. Everybody has their own projects that they do for the websites. Um, A good example would be Jack Lutz, where he has his own podcast as well. On top of that, he's in charge of traffic. Any traffic news that you see come across the website, that's Jack taking care of that. And if I know Jack, he's got like a helicopter sound effect going on in the background. I had to make him quit using the police siren, though, so. (laughs) I I was going to say helicopter, police siren. Either way, either one of those things is very Jack Lutz. Jack, we love you. Jack Um, Nixon is another good example. He handles not only all of our local headlines that you hear on air during the morning shows. He handles many of the local headlines that we do put up online on the website. And then on top of that, he handles all of my New Mexico State University Aggie things, too. Well, I, I mean, you know, of course, Jack Nixon has uh, a few years on all of us. Uh, always. Um, but I think when, and I kind of just kind of had this thought, I think when it comes to voice recognition and, and branding and having somebody hear something that they really recognize and wanting to associate it with, with positive things, it would be Jack Nixon. He's been the voice of Aggie, uh, Aggie football and men's basketball for going on 40 years, if I'm not mistaken. You are not. We were able to take it all the way back with 1971 since I've been making him dig into the most historic games in football history this year. <laughs> Has it been that long? Has it been 50 years he's been yeah, here? Yeah, almost. It's been a long time now. Wow. I mean, of course, everybody knows. I won't repeat it because I'm not. I'm not. It's, I'm sure it's copyrighted, but everybody knows Jack's closing line when he when he signs off from an Aggie broadcast and. Uh, being the person I am, I always have to say that to him every time I see him, and I, I know I know it annoys him. Now, um, in addition to all of the other things that Las Cruces today has gotten involved in, they've gotten involved in in podcasting now. 
which was you were my experiment for that to be quite honest you hear that ladies and gentlemen i was somebody's <laughs> experiment do you want to explain or you want me to explain kind of how that whole whole I'll thing came you together explain it and i can explain my end of it well without getting you know too into the what the motivation was for me actually wanting to do a podcast and i think if you read if you read our web page if you read the episode i'm sorry that the podcast section on uh on lostescrucistoday.com and the audio on demand section, you'll see a little bit of my, my background. My name is Andrew Lawrence, and I've worked in the field of public safety for over 20 years now here in southern New Mexico. And uh, I, I sort of have a, uh, a worldview and a family background and an education that you don't find uh, really any one of those things quite too often in the field I work in. All, all of those things put together make me a little bit more of an oddball. Um, and I thought to myself, you know what? I, I need an outlet. I need some way to kind of vent and, and kind of explain how I, especially online, have made made to feel like I don't fit, which is interestingly enough because if you go to, you know, industry Facebook pages uh, of like-minded people or people who work in my field, uh, they'll tell you that people who are from my background who have the ideology I have are XYZ and they're not good XYZs. And then if you go to uh, Facebook pages of that, that share my my worldview and my political ideology. They'll tell you that you know people in the field that I work in are X Y Z and they're not good X Y Zs. Right. Um, and as much time as I spend online, I really make you feel like you don't belong. And so I thought to myself, but this is the funny thing: when I go to work, nobody cares who I vote for. We're all there to do a job and keep each other safe while we're doing everything else. And um, when I'm hanging out with my people uh, outside of work, and I for the most part, tend not to socialize with, with people in my field when I'm not at work. Uh, all of my friends are, are share my worldview and ideology, and none of them hates me for doing the job that I do. So I thought to myself, maybe it's not that bad. I want to have a podcast, and maybe I can fill up two or three episodes of content uh, venting and ranting and raving about how I don't fit in anywhere, and at least the Internet tells me I don't belong. But then I thought, you know, th- th- well, that's two or three episodes. And I, I realized, you know what, there are other people in this world who don't, you know, fit the mold, um, as as is uh, the title of our show, Square Peg Podcast, Mold Breakers, Trailblazers, and Takers of Roads Less Traveled. There have got to be other people. And luckily enough, I know a lot of people. I mean, you do. I, I know a lot of people, and I know a lot of really interesting people. Um, what I didn't want was, and I know everybody, you know, to these days, podcasts are like microbreweries. Everybody's got Everybody's one. Everybody's got one. Everybody um, can make one. And but that doesn't mean the quality is good. And and while I believed one hundred percent in the content, uh the idea I had for the content, what I didn't want was to order some stuff from Amazon or go to a radio shack and buy whatever equipment I needed to record, and I didn't want it to sound like I was broadcasting from Wayne and Garth's basement. <laughs> Which is honestly um, what ninety percent of podcasts do sound like. So I, I messaged I messaged Lynn and said, Hey, you know what? Can you quote me some rates on studio time and, and production? And you came back and said, well, we can do A, you know, we can charge you this, or, or you know, we can do it all for you, but you, and I'm holding up air quotes, allow us to carry your content on our Las Cruces today. <laughs> and I almost fell out of my chair, allow you to create my my yet-to-be-created content. You have no idea what it's going to sound like. But I think we, we each filled a need because you were trying to add content. I was, and it was just really good timing on your part, by the way. Um, I had recently gotten all of our stations completely streaming. I knew that I had the ability to do podcasts. I knew I had the want to do podcasts, but whether we were actually going to do it or not was still up in the air. Um, 
And that's when you got a hold of me about your idea for the Square Peg podcast. And I love the idea behind it. It's one of my favorite things in Las Cruces is that we have so many different types of people here and so many different people throughout the world that don't fit that mold that you were talking about. So I loved the idea behind it, which makes it easy to jump behind the idea and go, look, I have this ability on the website to make it happen. I can make sure it gets on Apple iTunes, which, by the way, you'll also be on Spotify very soon. You'll also be on Google Play very soon. So these are the projects that I had already been wanting to work on. And when you brought up, hey, let me pay for production, I took it to our owner and said, let me produce it for him because I think I can do this and I think I can do it right. And I think we've proven that we really can do it right. And it's funny because I didn't listen to, I didn't fully listen to your first two episodes. I really waited until the third episode to make any decisions about how it was doing on the website, how it was doing itself. But then I actually pressed play and I listened to the full episodes one through three as we kept moving on with this project. And now I'm so proud to be part of this, to be a producer for this, because it's such a good idea. It's interesting how things develop. And, and you know, my wife considers herself an introvert, uh, although she's a very friendly person, has plenty of friends. But I'm the kind of person, I'm, I'm a chatty Kathy. I, it's amazing how many friends I have. And the reason they're my friends, and the reason I met them in the first place, because I was literally in a public place somewhere, and somebody said hello, and we started chatting each other up. I remember the first time I met you, I, I was already had had made friends with Jack uh, through social media, and I think at the time he may have already been working as a as a ring announcer for the small independent wrestling promotion. Yeah, I, I remember. I, that. I referee for, and I was actually in the studio right next door. I had been a guest of somebody who was doing a a morning talk show on on the, the AM station. And uh, we poked our heads out. He kind of opened the door, and I waved and said, hey, Jack. And I think it's the first time I met you. Uh, and kind of as, as things are these days, we connected on social media. And, and, and I'm you know proud to say that over the last couple of years, we, you know, I've become friends. We have. And um, I actually, uh, right, right around the time that we did the switch over from Rocket to Zia Country, uh, you were heavily promoting uh, March of Dimes, the High Heels <laughs> for High Hopes. Uh, ho- I was hoping we were going to talk about this during this podcast. A hoser shaved my legs live on air during the Zia Country Morning Still Show. one of my favorite on-air memories of all time. A couple, as a matter of fact, that just came up in my Facebook uh-huh. memories. It was 2015, um, yeah. October 2015, and um, you know, you moved. You actually you moved in the neighborhood right next to mine. I've been over the house, uh, uh, and it's just somebody mentioned to me when I when I told somebody we know uh, we both know and somebody who's actually in media that this was coming up. I don't remember the the term that she used. It wasn't uh, reap what you sow. It was along those lines. <laughs> um, and, and so people, when people say you reap what you sow, it's usually in the negative term. But what I'm saying is, and what she was trying to say was, the, the opportunities that come to you in life are usually a product of who you are and the, the, the paths that you've kind of exactly. forged. And it's just really interesting how this has all kind of happened over the last uh, eight to ten years or so. Um, but I, I, I've considered myself to be extremely lucky and, um, you know, not to make you blush or anything like that, I really um, have been very impressed with the way you've made your way, you know, in this business and the you, way you've changed with the times, the starting of uh, of LasCrucesToday.com. And really, we've been recording now for, I don't know, eight, ten weeks. Uh, I feel like I've gotten to you know you ten times better in that eight to ten weeks than I did in the previous ten years. I love you to death, Lindsay. You are such an awesome, amazing, interesting person. Uh, you have a mean streak in you that I would not, <laughs> I would not cross you in a million years. Not the least of which because you have 
if you want to put somebody on blast, you want to talk about somebody who's got the ability to, to really ruin somebody um, because you've got all your social media followers, you've got all these different platforms you're on. Um, I wouldn't cross you in a million years. Um, I want to thank you for the opportunity to do this project. Thank you for being on my show. And make sure everybody tune in. This episode uh, is going to air on Tuesday, October 27th, and it will drop uh, sometime mid-morning, as, as, as do all of our episodes. It will be available on LasCrucesToday.com, uh, as well as Apple Podcasts. And we look forward to Lindsay getting us on Spotify and Google. Lindsay, yes. thank you for being here. Yes, thank you guys so much. And keep up this amazing work, because this really is such an amazing idea. Rock on. I'm doing air horns. This has been an episode of the Square Peg Podcast, starring Andrew Lawrence and his cast of Mold Breakers, Trailblazers, and Takers of Roads Less Traveled. Until then, we'll see you on the next Road Less Traveled?